You are listening to the Catholic Exchange Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Catholic Exchange Podcast. This is Michael Lichens, your faithful editor of Catholic Exchange, and I am happy to have you here on this, the Feast of St. Scholastica. Today I'll be reading another excerpt from Stephen Beale. This is an article we published just this last Monday on the 9th called Amid the Storms of Your Soul, Fix Your Gaze on Christ. Stephen Beale, as you might remember, he's our weekly columnist. We publish him every Monday. He lives down in Providence where he's been a journalist. He studies theology and does any number of things. I don't know how on earth he has time for, but he makes time to talk with you and to bring you some of his theological ideas to help you in your faith. So once more, this is Amid the Storms of Your Soul, Fix Your Gaze on Christ. At first, they thought it was a ghost. In Matthew 14, we find the disciples once again caught up in a storm at sea. Jesus had just finished feeding the 5,000 and would withdrawn to a mountain to pray, leaving the disciples alone in the storm. Night falls and many hours pass. Finally, sometime between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., they see it. During the fourth watch of the night, he came forward to them, walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Matthew fourteen twenty-five to 26 Picture the scene for a moment. The disciples are already afraid because of the storm, and worse, night has fallen. To see a figure walking on the waves might have melted whatever fortitude the disciples had left. To be sure, this is not the first time we see the disciples caught up in a storm. It happened before in Matthew 8. But then, there had been no walking on the water by Jesus. Instead, he had rebuked the waves, calming the storm. This time, he does something far more dramatic. He comes to them walking on the sea, amid a storm, no less. As St. John Chrysostom says, He had before rebuked the sea. Now he shows forth his power yet more by walking upon the sea. Christ's command over the forces of nature is an important part of his redemption mission. Recall in Genesis 3, it was not only Adam and Eve who were punished, a curse fell on all creation because of their sin. Adam and Eve had been created as the king and queen of creation, mediators between the visible world and the invisible God. Once their relationship with God was broken, all creation fell into disorder. Christ then came not only to redeem us, but to save all creation. His power over the forces of nature, especially over natural disasters and diseases, also confirms that he has the great power to forgive our sins. This, after all, was Christ's message in the healing of the paralytic in Matthew 9. After Christ forgives the sins of the paralytic, the scribes rightly recognize that he is exercising a divine prerogative. Jesus responds by the healing of the paralytic, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, rise, pick up your stretcher, and go home. Matthew 9, 5-6 the stories are linked, not just in terms of a common theme, Christ's power over disordered nature, but by a key word of encouragement. When Christ first sees the paralytic, he urges him to take courage. In English, the full line reads, Courage, child, your sins are forgiven. Matthew 9, 2. This is the same admonition 
that Christ makes to the disciples as he approaches them on the water. At once Jesus spoke to them, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Matthew 14.27 For those who are wondering, the word for courage in the Greek text is the same in both places as well. The message suggested in these texts is that the courage with which the disciples were urged to face the stormy seas is the same courage with which we should confront our own sins. Courage, of course, can be both active and passive. The disciples were called to be courageous in weathering the storm, but Peter took matters one step further. Just as Christ had command over the seas, so Peter asked to be commanded to walk on the waves. Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Matthew fourteen twenty-eight. His request was granted. Now most of us, were we to step out onto uncertain footing, a tight rope, a rickety bridge, thin ice, not to mention waves, might we immediately look down to be sure of our steps? The gospel story suggests Peter did something completely different. Peter got out of the boat and began to walk on the water towards Jesus. Matthew 14.29 Peter does not get out and walk around the boat. He doesn't dance on the waves. He recognizes the power he has is temporary, on loan from God. His response is to acknowledge his Lord, putting his faith so fully in him that he doesn't even look down at the waves. But then, of course, Peter falters. Having succeeded in trampling the waves, he gets distracted by the winds. But when he saw how strong the wind was, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Matthew 14.30 Once Peter took his eyes off Christ, he began sinking. St. Augustine, in reading this story, sees the stormy waters as a metaphor for the temptations of this world. To each of us our lusts are as a tempest. Do you love God? You walk on the sea. The fear of the world is under your feet. Do you love the world? It swallows you up. But when your heart is tossed up with desire, then, that you may overcome your lust, call upon the divine person of Christ. And that was St. Augustine cited in Ketina Erea. In the story of Peter walking on the water, we have a model for how to respond to temptation and the inclination to sin. The proper response is not to become fixated on the desire to sin, what we might call concupiscence, but to seek out Christ, to never lose sight of our Redeemer. While it's sometimes told of as a story of faith that failed, the ultimate message here is positive. Peter, even when he had lost sight of Christ, calls out to him, crying out for salvation. And Christ, even though he rebukes Peter for the weakness of his faith, also responds to the faith that is there and rescues him. How extraordinarily encouraging this is. Even when we have given into temptation, when we are sinking into sin, it is not too late to call upon Christ. And that again was Stephen Beale with Amid the Storms of the Soul, Fix Your Gaze on Christ. And just a quick word that Stephen wanted me to add here. You can find out more about this topic, about courage, crying out to Christ, in Don Eden's new book. It's a revised edition of her wonderful book, The Thrill of the Chase. You can see chapter 16 in there where Don also likes to quote Stephen Beale, myself, Kevin Tierney, and a few other folks at CE. So God bless Don for being willing to recommend us and to speak with us. It's really nice to always work with her as well as Stephen. And that's what we have today for the podcast. I thank you very much as always for joining me. Keep back coming here for 
Catholic Exchange will be showing you new ways to make your Lent a little bit better, showing you new practices, and helping you to make this the best Lent, which is really only a week away if you can believe it. Oh my goodness. Alright, well there it is folks. Once again, this is Michael Litchens with Catholic Exchange. God love you all. Have a wonderful week. Cheers. Cheers.